0: Welcome to the State of Developer Education, a podcast by Major League Hacking. We explore how technical leaders are creatively tackling the developer education gap to help prepare the next generation of technologists for the real world and build businesses that can adapt to any changes in the technology ecosystem. I'm your host, John Gottfried. Hi, everyone. I'm John. Uh, welcome back to the State of Developer Education. Uh, I'm here uh, with Marcos Placona, who is the Director of Developer Relations at Circle. Really excited to have you here. How are you feeling today?
1: Yeah, really excited to be here. Yeah, no, it, it's it's so good. So I'm in mean, the UK. It's the end of the week. And yeah, uh, and it's also the end of the year. So yes, very excited to be here.
0: There you go. It's a good time. Um, awesome, man. Well, I'm really uh, excited to learn more about what you're working on. Um I, I always like to start this podcast, though, with, with some background context on where my guests came from. Um, and often for a lot of them, it's going quite a bit back in time. But I'd love to hear about your beginnings with software development. Like how did you even get into the field uh, as you know uh, an early career uh, person?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I think that's an interesting story because I, I, I got into like I got to write my first sorts of like program, you know, the, my first lines of code when, when I was, I think I was about seven and, you know, I'm not going to tell you my whole story here. Don't worry. Uh, but I think I was about seven and I got to write my first lines of code because I, I had this, like, so my dad, he bought me this computer and was like, Hey, you know, there's games here. So like, you're not going to be bothering me with like buying, a uh, a, a, a like, a, um, video games. So you can play the games here and you can do whatever you want. Are we and talking envelop- floppy disk games at this point? Floppy disks. Yep. Yeah, 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 definitely which speaks for my age, okay? Uh so definitely floppy disks. And and I got to this point where I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool, but it's not quite a video game. So I wonder what are the things that I can do with this. And and one of the things was like BASIC, so like one of the floppy disks. And this was a uh just for like a little bit more context, this was a it was a computer that he bought from someone. It was like a secondhand computer. Mm-hmm. And and the, the person he was he bought it from was, I think he was like buying something that was newer. So like back then this wasn't like very, very new. And and one of the floppy disks was basic. And and that's where I got to kind of like go and write my first program. So There and then I was like, this is amazing. I can actually write codes and it turns into something like it does. You know, I have a calculator now. um, So, so that was amazing. And then kind of like, you know, a few years passed and I went through the whole, like, I I knew I liked technology. So I went through the whole, okay, so CS degree. I I got into my CS degree and, and, and I didn't like it. Like I, I got into CS and I was like, this is not what I expected. Like in a way... I kind of expected my CS degree to be much more like practical, uh, Mm -hmm. whereas it wasn't. Like it was, you know, there was a lot of theory on it. Um, So I I dropped out uh, two years in. Okay, so like two years in, I was like, yeah, this is not working on. This is not working out. So I'll I'll um, I'll, I'll drop out and I'll do something else. Uh, So at this time, I, I moved to Europe. So I moved to the UK. I was I grew up in Brazil, and at this time, I moved to the UK and, and straight, like, as I got into the UK, got a job as a developer, started, you know, kind of like just doing my, my developer things. And, um and then I decided that I wanted to try my, my, uh, uh, my degree again. So I went mm-hmm. uh, to computer science again. And and that time I finished the course. Okay. So like, you know, that time I went through it, uh, that time was different. And I think, um, you know, in retrospect, I feel like, When I, when I did my first degree, like when I went for my first degree, I, I just wasn't mature enough. Like Mm -hmm. I just didn't have an understanding of like what it is that I expected. Uh, Whereas on the second time I was like, okay, so I know what I'm going to get. I know there's going to be some theory, but I also know there's going to be like a lot of of fun and I'm going to get to meet people and everything. Um, And, and so basically, you know, like I've been an engineer Uh, uh, most of my career, okay? So even now that I don't have an engineering title, I still write code pretty much every day. I still really enjoy it. So like I am your kind of like lifestyle developer.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had a really similar experience where I started off in computer science and actually switched and got a history degree because I realized that I could do programming for fun and the theory and, and sort of the mathematics of it wasn't what I was interested in, but I've encountered a lot of scenarios now where I look back and I'm like, you know, I really wish I understood the theory better. <laughs> like yeah. It, at the time, I didn't get it, and now it, it's kind of a missing piece.
1: Yeah. So, so that's the thing. Like, I, I think I just wanted to write code when I when I did my first kind of like try on on CS. I was just like, I just want to write codes. I don't want to, you know. I don't want to learn about these stocks and heaps and like why they exist or something like, I just want to go and write some code. Um, whereas, you know, as you grow up, you, you kind of go, yeah, okay, so maybe that's that's actually important.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. there. I'm curious though, like, like looking back on it, and, and certainly you've worked with, you know, young people and students uh, more recently too. Are there things that you think uh, sort of an academic environment could do differently that would satisfy both of those interests and needs?
1: Yeah, I, I have many opinions there. Uh, I have many opinions on like schools as well, because I think, um, so so my opinion on schools specifically is that they're, they're very um, generic. Like they're very, you know, they, they just give you like this, there's this one curriculum and, and that's the same for everyone. However, the, the counter argument for this in schools is like, it gives you a taste of everything. OK, so like, you know, you go to school, you learn some like maths and you learn some history. And, you know, a lot of times when you go to school, you're thinking like, I'm just never going to use this in my life. And the reality is like some of it you won't. OK, like, you know, I don't I don't think that I, I use a lot of like my my, you know, like my my chemistry classes or something. Um, so the reality is you won't. Uh, but then you go into um, like you go into sort of like a, a college degree, for example. and And I feel like the 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 way I would like it to be is almost like you get to choose your own adventure. Obviously you need to follow their curriculum. Um, but I think there's certainly going to be people who are like, Hey, I just want to do more of the practical stuff. Um, and, and, and there's going to be people who will say, Hey, no, I- I'm actually okay. Just doing like, just focusing on the theory, because that's, you know, that's how I want my career to go. So I, you know, I- I'm sure that if I go like talk to a university about this, they will have you know their own like opinions as to why things are this way. Uh, but I feel like there's a you know it, it makes sense for it to be generic for some you know for, for like a period of time. But I also think it would be way better if it could be very specific uh, uh, at a different time.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you have to be able to tie the use cases back to the actual theory to make it yeah click you know mm-hmm. like i i never cared i was like oh O N, like whatever like what does that mean you know now like i've encountered scenarios where it's like oh okay like i understand why optimization is an important topic right but when you're learning purely the theory with no application you don't yeah. really get
1: why it's useful yeah yeah 100% yeah. and and so so yeah i i do feel like things to be different we have gone a long way though, because like you say, it's like, you know, I, I, I get to spend time with like students at hackathons and everything. And a lot of the times when I talk to them, I go, wow, I wish it had been like this back when I was at university. Like I wish I had access to the same things. Um, so, you know, we've, we've gone a long way and I feel like we're, we're going towards the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still feel like there's some tweaks that can exist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, MLH certainly exists, at least in part, because it's something that, you know, Swift and I both wished we had more of as students. So, you know, you started off kind of false start and then start again as an engineer. Um, and eventually you went to developer evangelism, which uh, has many different aspects to it. Like, what, what drew you to that rather than staying on the core, like, engineering path?
1: Yeah, So um, so developer evangelism for me, like, I always joke, like, whenever I, like, if I'm interviewing for a job, for example, like I, I, I'm always like, I always like to tell people that I got into developer evangelism by accident because I, you know, I was an engineer. I was pretty happy with what I was doing as an engineer. And then, um, but I also liked uh, going to conferences. I also liked like presenting. I also like going to events and, and like doing presentations. And there was this one time I was speaking at a conference and and someone came to me and said, hey, this was in 2018. 2013 okay so someone came to me and said hey have you ever thought about developer relations and I was like I don't even know what that is but like tell me more so they tell me about like you know what it you know what it encompasses and and I'm like that's a job and and this guy goes yeah it's totally a job and it's what I do because so back then you have to think that only the the sorts of like big companies had developer relations and when i say big it was like you know it would be like the likes of google it would be the likes of microsoft and adobe as well had some developer relations people and 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 this guy comes to me and he goes like you know it's it's a job and like those are all the things that you can do and i'm like wait i can like you get paid to do the thing that i'm doing because i was doing this for free okay like i was like i was a i was a meetup organizer i was um i like I would go speak at conferences. A lot of the times I was actually doing that on my own time and, you know, out of my own pockets. Okay. Because like some conferences would pay for my travel, but not my hotel or vice versa. And, and, and this guy was like, yeah, you know, you get to do like all these things. So you, you get to basically just like do the full package and, and you don't need to go back to work on Monday and like work a sprint. And, and back then I was like, well, you know, I do feel like I've been a, a software engineer for a long time now. So yeah, maybe it's time to kind of like, you know, just change for something else. And then um, what is interesting is I started like just reading a bunch about developer relations. And, and I remember like, you know, back then reading uh, uh, Chris Heilman's uh, uh, blog post about this. And he had a, like he had a long page with like a bunch of things about it and like all the pros and cons and everything. And, And one of the bits of advice that I got from him on, on his blog was, um, if you're going to do developer relations, you got to make sure that you do it for products that you're stoked about. Hmm. Because, because if you're not, it's going to be very hard. And I, you know, I honestly, I couldn't agree more. And like having done developer relations for a long time now, I, I couldn't agree more because, um, you know, I, I did my research, I did my own research and I talked to a bunch of companies and ultimately I ended up at Twilio. So ultimately I ended up uh, uh, um, joining Twilio in 2014. So I, I still took a while. You know, remember i i i met this person in 2013 when they told me about developer relations and and basically i was like no i, I want to take my time and and i want to make sure that i find the thing that is right for me um and and back then twilio and and it still is okay but like back then Twilio for me was like this magical thing of like wow you write three lines of code someone gets a text message that's amazing um and, and, and I also remember, uh, so that's the, that's the funny bit here. Cause I also remember like uh, um, seeing a job advert from SendGrid, which at the time they, they won, uh, you know, like they, they hadn't uh, uh, been bought by Twilio. And, and I remember just like reading about it and thinking who wants to work for an email API, like emails are boring. And little did I know that, you know eventually Twilio was going to, was going to buy SendGrid and I'd be doing some developer relations for SendGrid as well. Um, But yeah, no, so it was by accident, um, but it's by far the the best choice that I've made in in my career. Like I actually really, really enjoy developer relations because I like the, the educational sides of it. Okay. So um, yeah, it's by far the best choice that I've made.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. So My co-founder and I at MLH met when I was a developer evangelist for Twilio and he was at SendGrid and we Mm -hmm. always had this kind of like friendly competition of like, who could make the most interesting demo, you know? And I always felt like I had a leg up because making someone's phone ring is way cooler than sending them an email, but we we definitely went back and forth on it. He had some really cool ideas, but um, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. And, you know, I, like you were at Twilio for, for quite a long time. Um, Yeah. And I would imagine that you know, DevRel, both as a field and also as a strategy at Twilio, matured quite a bit over, over the years. Like mm-hmm. what was different from when you started it to, to sort of now, right? And you've been doing it now for almost a decade.
1: Yeah, so, so back when I started, and I remember thinking about this as well, okay. Like back when I started, I think um, the way I like to put it is DevRel was spring break for developers. Okay. So a lot of the people that I knew that did DevRel back then or the people that I met back then, they did it for a year and were like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just want to go back to being a developer because a lot of burnout. like, you know, you know, this, like it's um, like DevRel was very intense and, and it's also not that glamorous. Like a lot of people just say it's just like, oh yeah, you're going to be traveling the world and you're going to be seeing places and talking to people. And that sounds amazing. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of like being alone in a hotel room on a weekend. Uh, uh, you know, there's, this there's, there's a lot of like, uh, uh, doing work and actually working on presentations on your own. Uh, it's, there's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, but it's also not that glamorous and this is definitely not a, a, a rock star's life. Okay. You know, like I've, uh, uh you know, there's, there's no like throwing screens out the window or something like that's not uh you know that's not the lifestyle and 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 I think I'm like what's changed is um again back then this was yeah it was it was spring break for developers like developers were getting to it then a company like companies would just like wear them thin until they just couldn't do this anymore um and 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 they would just like move on either they would, either they would find something else that they believed uh, uh, wouldn't burn them out, or they would just go back to like being engineers. And the one thing that for me was like, a um, was a big thing was I wanted this to be different. Okay. So when I, when I joined Twilio and I think I'm, you know, this is no secrets. Uh, uh, and, and I think you will know this, like Twilio's kind of strategy for DevRel was be everywhere and be awesome. That was the strategy. Okay. Yep. Now, the thing with this strategy is like, yeah, you can do all these things for 12 months. And then and then it just becomes impossible for you to do it. Uh, you know, I, I I met a bunch of people in DevRel who like came to me and said, how can you do this job for like this long? Like, I hate it. Like, I hate doing it. And then for me, like, I love doing it. Like, I love doing this job. Uh, but the one thing that is different is like, uh, I feel like I was... Like at Twilio, like in the very beginning when I got into it, because Twilio was my first ever job, uh, the, the coaching that I had towards like, you know, the travel and the events that I did was very good. Like, you know, um, I feel like that was perhaps the tipping point where Twilio, you know, and and the leadership was kind of like realizing that um It costs a lot for you to find someone. Like it costs a lot of money and energy for you to find someone. And then you get that person to a point where they're, you know, where they're ready to go. They're ready to represent the company and everything. And then you send them out there and they do it for 12 months and leave. Like this is, it's just not sustainable. So I think this was the tipping point. And I feel lucky that I was kind of like part of it because when I, when I started to build teams like for Twilio, so like, you know, I was involved. In like building, obviously, I built the the Amia team. I was involved on the on the APAC and I built the Latam team. But when I started to build teams at Twilio, I always had this in mind. So these were the conversations that I had with candidates: like, hey, you know, it's 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 a great job, um, but it's not all that glamorous, and and you gotta make sure that you're thinking about these things because. I know, I know people like to say that, uh, you know, like work and your life, they're like two separate things. But the reality is like you spend a third of your life at work. Okay. So in a way, like whatever you do at work, it affects your life. And also, you know, if, if you're going to be traveling on weekends, for example, this is way more than a third of your life. Okay. Um, so it's important to kind of like keep those things in mind. And, and, and I feel like what we did is we got to a point where, we basically found that balance okay like we you know our our attrition at twilio was very very low like we got to a point where attrition was very low and 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 i think it's it's to do with like all the work that we did to make sure that people understood that something like uh, uh and, and i love this like people understood that a blog post for example is the meetup that you don't have to go to okay because you know not i'm not saying that meetups aren't important um, uh, but they are two separate things, and sometimes you know you, you don't you don't need to go to like five meetups a week you can you can go to one and you can like do blog posts and like you will certainly get way more eyeballs on your blog post than you would ever get at a meetup um so making sure that people understood this and make making sure that we also uh, uh had an understanding of this was very important
0: yeah, I think it's incredibly wise to to move in that direction, right It's a lot healthier to yeah. have more balance. I mean, but one of the things that we've done at MLH, and honestly, some of this was learned from, from Twilio when I was there, is we have this concept of recovery days. And like, mm-hmm. we do a lot of hackathons. And so if one of our full-time team members goes to a hackathon, like we fully expect them to take time during the week to offset that, right? Like no one should be working 10, 15 days in a row. You know, that's not sustainable on it it does burn people out. And um, I certainly had my own levels of burnout at various points in time. And it's, you know, I, I think it's good that the, the field has moved in a healthier direction.
1: Yeah, and, and I think um, the, the, the thing with burnout is you, like weirdly enough, you only, unless you have the experience, you only realize when it's too late. Like I've met so many people in DevRel who the moments that they realized that they were burnout, they were like, I can't do this anymore. Like, there's no, there's no way back. There's nothing. Like, even if I take some time off, like, there's no way back. Um, whereas, you know, when you when you've done this for a while, when you have some experience of like, you know, what burnout actually feels like, you know, when you're getting there, then you know, you know yourself, and you you go, cool, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna stop a little bit. Um, but not everyone has that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I think um, you know, the way. And this is like this is the way everything works, okay? So this is not just in DevRel. This is this is everywhere. I think um you know, every company wants as much as you can give, mm-hmm. okay? Like you know, companies like companies they exist for profit, and and every company just wants as much as you can give as an employee. Um, so I, I think a lot of the times it's down to you to be able to recognize those things and say no, I I I need a break.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because. I think part of the field maturing is also the individuals in it maturing. Like for me, Twilio was my first full-time job. And, you know, when I look back on it, like part of why I had put an unhealthy amount of time into it was because I loved it and it was fun and -hmm. interesting. And like, I didn't have the sort of like comparative data points of other jobs or also the, the sort of like, boundaries myself to really think about it critically at the time and i still see this happening when you get you know new grads or very you know early career people going into DevRel, where it's like it's fun like it truly is fun and they're Mm -hmm. so passionate about it and it's almost like you like overexert yourself because of how much you like it but you don't really have the mechanisms yet to be like eh, like I, i should probably take a week off here you know like i'm on the verge and i do think that like as people further in their careers are running DevRel departments and, you know, being developer evangelists themselves that you sort of, there's just a level of like, you have more experiences to compare it against and more balance in your life in general. And you can sort of think about it more critically. And, but I, I still see what you're talking about happen at a lot of companies.
1: Yeah, no, no, it, it still happens. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I left Twilio in, in April, mm-hmm. uh, um, April this year. And, and I left Twilio just because I felt like, you know, I had been there for seven and a half years, okay? Mm-hmm. So that was a, that, that is a long, long time. And, and and I felt like I just needed a break, like I just needed something new, I just needed to do something different. And um, sort of like two, three months in, I was like, okay, so I'm going to start talking to companies and see like what's out there. I talked to a lot of companies uh, uh, where I was like, I, you know, I I, I feel sorry for the people you're going to hire to do this mm-hmm. job. Because uh, you know, you will wear them very, very thin until mm-hmm. they hate you when they hate the job and everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a shame. Um, so yeah, I I very much agree with you, like this this still happens a lot. Uh, it will continue happening. and I think it's down to people like us, you know, people like with more experience mm-hmm. in in this field. Mm-hmm to to make sure that we kind of like treat people well and we take care of people um so my the biggest thing for me like you know at back at twilio or at circle is like i gotta make sure that i'm taking care of folks in my team because um especially people who are new to this because they don't know like the the reality with this job is exactly what you said like it's a fun job and you can keep on going okay like if someone like meals to the job if they're going to an event and I say hey so there's actually another event and it's a little bit further so like you know you're in in Spain and there's another event that is in Portugal they'll go sure I'll go to yep. Portugal um, and, and and the reality is they'll keep on going until until like there's nothing else yep. um, so so it is down to folks like you know us to 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 make sure that you know we take care of people because uh, it's it's an incredibly fun job. Um, but it's also, you know, um, uh, it, it can, like, wear you down yeah. uh, 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 very quickly. Yeah. So
0: that's a really nice segue, right? Because it sounds like you've ended up at an organization that's thinking about it in a very um, healthy way, right? Uh, let's talk about Circle a little bit. I want to start with, like, was, let's, let's call it Web3 as a field on your radar before Circle? No. Or was it something else that got you excited about the company?
1: No, so so Web three was, I guess Web three was like the very opposite of like being on my radar. Mm. Um, and 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 I'll tell you the reason. Okay, so um, I when when I started talking to companies, I I talked to a bunch of Web three companies, and and the reality with a lot of Web three is a lot of it just feels like a scam. Like you read about Web3, you read about like, uh, uh, especially in crypto, you see the the rug pulls and everything. Um, what is interesting about this, and, 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 and this is something that I came to realize, is Web2 was just as bad when it started, okay? Like, you know, we're still, there's still a lot of scams going on on Web2, but the reality is like, you know, when we kind of like transitioned from Web1 to Web2, there was the whole like, now you enter your credit cards and and as a customer, you were like, I'm not gonna give my credit card to Amazon. Like, you know, they're gonna do something with this. Like, they're gonna clone my yeah. cards. And 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 the reality is, you know, like, while back then giving Amazon your credit cards would mostly be okay, this is not the same story with like every single website that was out there. Okay, and and I think um the 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 kind of like a, um the reaction that I had towards Web three back then was very much like. was it was kind of negative because i talked to a bunch of companies and i was like yeah i don't think what you're doing is actually for like the good of the world okay so that is a that is a thing that has always been very important to me like the reason the reason i joined uh uh, twilio for example was i very much like the idea of giving people like limitless ways of communicating okay and and i still remember like going to hackathons and like talking to people and seeing the things they built and why they built it and and, and, and and just like getting excited because you're now talking about utilities. Like you're not talking about, oh yeah, this is just a hack that, you know, prints like cat memes or something. Like, you know, I like the cat memes as, as much as the next person, um, but like seeing utility was very cool. And in and, and Circle for me was, um, I, I was contacted by someone that I know from Circle, who's now my manager and and she came from from mozilla so we've met uh a a while ago um during events and and she got in touch with me and she was like hey can i just like tell you about circle and i was like yeah sure so this was the time when i was um i had left video and i was talking to companies and then we had this conversation and i was like wow this is so not how i expected things to be because You're telling me all these things and I'm actually excited by the products. Like I'm actually excited because, you know, um, you're telling me about USDC, for example, which is something that I didn't expect to be excited about. Uh, uh, But you're telling me why it exists and how it makes easier for like people to actually get money in other countries. So I don't know if you saw this, but yesterday there was a um, so it, it was in the news that the U.N., is going to start sending um, USDC, which is Circle's uh, crypto. They're going to start sending yep. USDC to um, to Ukraine because sending money is not as easy, and people can get robbed with money. Whereas, like if you send USDC, they're like you know it goes into their wallets, and they can just like convert that money into whatever they want, or they can buy with USDC. Like USDC is pegged to the dollar, so like one USDC, one dollar. And and that for me is like that's what I'm excited about. Like that's the thing that kind of like just you know it it makes the world move okay so it's actually making like people's lives better and 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 that's what gets me super excited but yeah no I I I think I was like on the other spectrum when it comes to like going to to Web three um, but there's another thing uh, which which I very much believed in uh, and this was like even before I considered Circle or something which is like Web three is going to happen like it or not, okay, it's going to happen. It, it, in In a few years, um, Web3 is going to be the web, okay? So it's going to be like what we call the web today. Web3 is going to be the web in a few years. Uh, it may not be in the same shape or form as we see it right now, uh, but it is going to happen, okay? So like, uh, uh, like the blockchain is a thing. Maybe in a few years, like we're not going to be like Web3 developers, aren't going to be building things that are so like, close to the blockchain uh, like i know you know this there's, there's all these talks of solidity and everything um, and and i imagine that in a few years like you're not necessarily going to be building using solidity you're going to be using apis like it is going to happen so like for me what is interesting now is like yes there's this new technology there's a bunch of people who are excited about it and and it's actually solving like real world problems so
0: I've struggled with with similar things in the Web3 world. And when I look at our community, a lot of the folks uh, in it are really excited about the prospect of Web3 for one reason or another. How can developers separate like real impactful use
1: cases from hype and fluff? So my opinion there is like, just think about the utility of it okay so i i'll be honest with you and and, and maybe this will come back to me eventually but like <laughs> i am not excited about uh boards a yacht club for example right. like i'm not excited about like i i see utility in nfts um right. but i am not necessarily excited of like i am gonna own a jpeg right for example like what is that what is the utility on this now Where the utility actually exists in in NFTs, for example, is say, you know, you're like Starbucks and you have loyalty cards. Your loyalty cards could be an NFT. And because an NFT is programmable, you can give people stars. You can give people like you can do all these things with an NFT um, and that stays in that person's wallet. So, like, you know, people don't necessarily need to use the Starbucks app, um, but you don't need to be Starbucks like you can. There's there may be a world here where like multiple uh, 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 multiple coffee shops can use the same kind of right. NFT. So like the utility for me on this is way more than than like you know I own an NFT and like it's it's the picture of a monkey or something mm-hmm. like that's not uh, uh, the thing that interests me. So I think um and and it's the same way that I think about crypto in general. Okay, because like uh, you know one thing that a lot of people don't realize is with crypto, um, every single one of the the, the the tokens out there, they have a white paper. And honestly, um, you know, I I don't know about you, but like if I'm going to like open a bank account, for example, I'm going to make sure that this bank account is, is actually, you know, this bank is actually real yep. uh, and I'm going to make sure that they have all the insurances and everything. I'm going to make sure that if they go bust, I'm getting my money back. Um, And I think it's the same, you know, with, with crypto, it's the same thing. Okay. Like for every single crypto out there, there's a white paper. And when you go read the white papers, um, a lot of the times it's like, okay, so like, this is a good idea. Like this is, this is a thing. There's a reason why this exists. And there's, there's like utility here. Whereas a lot of the times, you know, like Dogecoin, for example. Yeah, that's that's not necessarily a utility, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not speaking against Dogecoin because who knows? Um, <laughs> but like right now, that's not necessarily a utility. Um, so for me, like, you know, my advice is like, just look for the utility. And if you do go and talk to like someone who actually represents that company, they should be able to tell you like what their utility is. If they can't, then, you know, most likely there is no utility.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's funny because it's almost as if the first use case that gained popularity here with NFTs was like Pokemon cards, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's cool. Like I like collectibles, I had Pokemon cards, but that can't be the end-all be-all of that technology, right? Like it's yeah makes exactly. for that. And um, it, it feels like it's like, it's almost like limiting the full potential by focusing too much energy on that one specific space. So wh- when you think about like, like let's say a developer does determine that a platform has real use cases. And I agree. Like I think there are very interesting technological advancements that come from decentralized applications as a concept, right? So you find a platform, let's say it's, you know, providing monetary funds to a war zone, right? Like yeah. great, awesome use case. How can developers actually learn to be involved with these ecosystems? Because, you know, it's, not a simple technology in a lot of cases, you know, there's some complex concepts to understand.
1: So um, what a lot of those platforms offer. So like, I'll give you one example, which is, uh, which is one of our partners. Uh, they're called um, Alchemy and Alchemy has Alchemy University, for example, and, and Alchemy University kind of like walks you through the whole thing. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I told you about my backgrounds. Like I don't I don't come from a web three uh, uh world. Like, you know, Circle is the first kind of like web three company I worked for. And um going through some of that training was very good. Um there's one thing that I must make you aware when it comes to like, you know, developers and like having this kind of training is um a lot of the a lot of the the web three companies, they tend to be very opinionated towards their own. Product. Okay. Um, and and as a developer, if that's the first thing that you learn and they're very opinionated about it, you basically just think there's that there's nothing else. Okay. So my advice here is uh, you know, if you find a platform and if they offer training, so a lot of these platforms they actually offer training like this. So there's this you know, Circle has Circle University, Alchemy has Alchemy University. So a lot of those platforms they actually offer this kind of training. And and my advice here is. Um, just try and look for all the things that are out there, okay, just like a, you know have a have an open mind uh and and just try and look for all the things um but the trainings are very, very complete because the the so the the focus for me right now at Circle is um I am not necessarily focusing on the web three developers because like my focus is on the education, so obviously I'm creating content that is for like existing web three developers, but I'm focusing on web two developers. Because again, like I said before, like those are the developers who are gonna t- go into Web three in the future. So, like my focus is, I, I always say this: like there's there's 25 million developers, you know, roughly 25 million developers in the world, and you look at Web three, there's about 25,000. So, where do you think my focus should be? Like, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on basically on the bigger pie here. Like, I'm focusing on the developers who are. Going to be the web three developers in the future, so I'm focusing on on those developers. And so, our strategy is very much like, hey, we want to be like we want Circle to be a tool in your tool belt. Like we know that you don't necessarily need us. Like you may not necessarily need us right now. Uh, you may not even be at a point to so like you know be at a job where you need us right now. Uh, but we want to make sure that we, you know, that you know of us when mm-hmm. you need it
0: yeah uh, I think that's a very salient strategy. Um, it's we, we've We've found that like, even with students, and like you know it's very unlikely that students be- gonna become a big enterprise customer, right like in the next six months. But we've been doing this for ten years now, and we basically found that like alumni keep the preferences they had when they were mm-hmm. learning. You know, if you learn a platform and you have a great experience with it and you come up with all these fun use cases. When that use case comes up for your job, like you remember it, and it actually influences how companies buy technology, and it's you know that applies to students. It applies to any developer. Like you, yeah. developers are very opinionated, and they like what they like, and and that matters.
1: Um, and and also like you know this this may be a hot take, but um um like especially a lot of like marketing people they tend to say that um developers aren't decision-makers. So they tend to kind of like focus on like decision-making events and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, like, yes, developers are the decision-makers. Like they are opinionated. And, and ultimately they're going to be the ones who dictate which technology is going to be used because we, like in, in the software engineering world, I feel like we're, we're lucky enough that if we don't like the tech, the, the company we work for uses, we mm-hmm. just go work for another company. Yep. Um and, and that happens. OK. And I think companies realize this and, and, and obviously companies realize this because hiring developers is not easy. OK, like hiring software engineers is not easy. Um, so developers are the true decision makers. OK, so they're the ones who, you know, if, if someone goes, hey, we need to. Like we need a proof of concepts of like how to send messages. We need a proof of concepts of like how to send SMS messages or something. They're the ones who say, "Hey, you know, I was at the Sakato and I saw Twilio." Um, so um, I, I am very firm on mm-hmm. on that. And I think um, yes, you know, getting getting in front of developers early on their journey is the way to go. Like just you know, way earlier.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I know we only have a couple of minutes left here. Uh, I have a couple of final questions that Mm -hmm. that are more um, kind of fun and and interesting here. You know, you've only been at Circle now for a couple of months, but what's like the most interesting or kind of like unexpected use case that you've seen someone in the community build with it?
1: I guess the most interesting use cases I've seen um, will be... Some of the, some of the, the, so we've done a, we've done a program with some folks in Africa and, and we did an Africa trip. We went to like a bunch of places and, and there was this story that was, it kind of stuck with me, which was someone was telling me that moving money in, in Africa, like, you know, Africa is a whole thing. Like it's a, there's a bunch of countries in there and moving money is very hard mm-hmm. because, they don't actually have any, like a lot of countries, they don't have a banking system. So uh, uh, the way a lot of those countries work is I can only transfer money to you if you have a bank account with the same bank as I do. There is no, you know, like cross transfer. And, And when you talk like international, it's even harder. Okay. So like you're talking about like people shipping containers from like a country to another and like, Having to pay for things, and 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 they were like, the way that we could do it was to actually travel to a country uh, uh, with like U.S. dollars, because like U.S. dollars is the is the currency that basically everyone accepts. So so they were like, you know, the way for us to kind of like get this done was like to travel into different countries with U.S. dollars. But then you have all the risk because you're now traveling with like a bag full of cash. Yep. Um, and, 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 and this person was like, you know, there's a risk of that there's uh, uh there's a risk of like, you know, you just losing out on conversion and everything. And, and, and basically, you know, like the, 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 their kind of use case was like to be like remittances mm. in, in USDC. And, and, and now what you're talking about is like, you know, there's a person here, there's a person on the other sides of the, 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 the continent and, and, they have a wallet. So you make a remittance and that person receives the money and it's always going to be the same amount of money. Everyone has visibility of it. So yeah. it kind of goes, it, it kind of goes against like the whole, you know, anything to do with like bribery or anything that could be kind of like illegal in a way. It's like, no, it's all visible. Like, you know, people right. can see it. Everyone can see it, It's all on the blockchain. And that for me is like, it's kind of fascinating I, I find it really fascinating and and and, and the other thing is um, I know they're doing similar things in Argentina as well where you know the Argentinian uh, peso like it, it fluctuates a lot so people are basically just converting their money into crypto okay and mm-hmm. and that's their way of kind of like just staying ahead of inflation because you know your money can be worth this much today and like nothing tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by, like, these use cases.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. That's really powerful. My last question here is uh, if there is anyone in, in the world of tech that you could take to
1: lunch, who would it be, li- living or dead? Anyone in the world of tech that I could take to lunch? I'm going to have to think hard on this one because I'm not a massive fan of, like, tech people in general, <laughs> Okay. I'm going to have to change your question here. So like, if there's anyone in the world that I sure. can take to lunch and that would be Dave Groh from Foo Fighters. I don't think there's anyone in the tech. You could say Dave Groh is like slightly on the tech world. Um, like you could, you could argue this. Um, Yeah. Dave Groh, I, I find him like super interesting and super genuine. Um, so yes, I, I would love to take him to lunch.
0: I love it. Um- <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate everything you were sharing. And it sounds like there's some really exciting stuff going on in the Circle ecosystem. So uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. I hope you all enjoyed. If you enjoyed uh, this episode, definitely follow and and subscribe for future ones. And uh, happy hacking, everyone.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: The State of Developer Education is brought to you by Major League Hacking, or MLH. To find out more about MLH and how we power innovation, cultivate developer communities, and teach technical skills to students around the world, visit MLH.io. And then make sure to search for developer education in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at MLH, thanks for listening and helping us empower the next generation of technologists. Happy hacking.